2009, I had the opportunity to go to Costa Rica and spend two weeks uh, serving alongside some missionaries there in Costa Rica. If you've never been to Costa Rica, it's an absolutely spectacular country, truly breathtaking everywhere you turn. The first week we were there, we went to the depths of the jungle. I mean, literally the end of the road. If you wanted to go any further, you had to go on foot through these trails that would take you two to three days to get to the next town and next village. And there, at the end of nowhere, we met with the missionary who'd been there 30 plus years. And we said, how can we help this week? And he had asked us in advance to come prepared to do some physical labor and then to come prepared to just love and serve the kids of the community around him. And nothing could have actually prepared me for that. See, the physical labor happened in the coolest part of the day when it was nearly triple digits. And in the humidity of the jungle, where it was nearly triple digits humidity as well. And we were just absolutely miserable in all the labor and all the hard things we did to help serve and assist him in what he was working on. And then after we had spent the morning pouring out all that we had and exhausting ourselves because of the heat, in fact, that first day we worked with him, it was so hot, the guy who'd lived there nearly 30 years almost had a heat stroke. Like, it was brutal. And we had lunch, and then we were invited to love the kids of the community. Anybody ever been around little kids? How many of them seem to care that it's hot outside? And then they slow down and they stop running around and having energy. It seems none of them. And so we, for about two and a half hours, hung out with these kids, and we'd prepared some vacation Bible school stuff, but we didn't really know what we were doing, and they didn't really care. They just wanted to run and play and have people to play with them, except for one little boy. His name was Adrian. He was five at the time. All he wanted to do was cuddle, just sit in my lap and be held. Anybody after a, a sweaty, exhausting morning of work in triple digits weather wants, wants somebody to climb in your lap and just sit there for two and a half hours? It was terrible. I kept trying to encourage him, like, let's go play. And he's like, no, I'm good. And all he wanted was just to sit there. I was like, what kid doesn't want to run and play and have fun? And then it came time for all the kids to go back home. And he got really, really serious and had a sad look I've never seen on an adult, yet alone a kid. So after he left, I asked the missionary, I said, what's his story? Why was he so sad to go home and why did he just want to sit and do nothing? And this little boy named Adrian lived in a household with a mom and a boyfriend who was not the dad of any of his four siblings. He was responsible for the most part for caring for his four siblings because his mom was often too strung out to do anything. To help pay for the drugs she used, she often resorted to prostitution, and so he had to shelter his three younger siblings from that when these sometimes abusive men came over, and I was just struck with how comfortable my life had been to that point. I could never imagine such a pain or burden at five, and suddenly his desire to simply sit and be held made a lot more sense. And so I committed, whatever it takes these next few days, I want to see him smile. I want to bring him joy. And so for the next four days we were there, every day I did everything I could despite my exhaustion to love him and care for him and pour into him. And boy, did I see him smile like I've never seen anyone smile before. And I made the mistake 
because I thought this is what kids like, of spinning him around one day. Anybody ever spun a little kid around when there's other kids around? What ends up happening? They all want to spin around. And so that last day when I was spinning and kids were giddy with excitement and filled with joy and I was spinning and spinning and, and back and forth and round and round, the rest of the team I was with was taking bets when I would throw up because of my spinning. And thankfully I did not. And it came time to say goodbye and I knew I would probably never see this little boy again. We said goodbye and he left and he got to the gate of where the missionary lived and he stopped and he turned around and he came running back and gave me another hug. This big smile. That was it. No words. And then he left. I haven't seen him since. He'd be probably about 20 or 21 now. I have no idea what direction his life went after that. But I experienced that week a reality I had previously not known. Joy is more than just a feeling and more than just a state of being. See, I'd always thought that joy was a state of being content and comfortable and, and happy with the things you have, and so there was a feeling that often comes with joy, one of happiness. But I learned that week that joy is more than just a state of being and more than just a feeling. It's also a commitment. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a thing God does to us and gives to us, and yet we are invited to commit ourselves to living in such a way that joy comes forth, to acting in such a way that we actually produce joy in us. I've never known that before. Today, as we talk about the Sabbath practice, we're going to talk about how this regular rhythm of habitual pause invites us to experience joy invites us to stop in the midst of all that life may bring and all the crazy that may come and to simply rest and delight in God's goodness and his creation. To begin, we're going to start in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, Jesus, chapter 15, speaks these words. Let's see. John, chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus speaks these words to his disciples. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I just want to be clear real quick. Anybody ever met a Christian who's kind of a sour and terrible person? And you really don't like to be around them? It's like, shoot, they're a Christian. I'm supposed to be around them. They're sitting next to me in this pew, and I came here in the same car with them. Oof. Sometimes we have this attitude in our culture today that says to be a Christian has to be more serious than everybody else. And we just have to act like we've got it all together and we know all the answers and we can't have fun because this stuff matters. But Jesus, he says to his disciples, these things that I have commanded you, that I've spoken to you, I've spoken so that my joy may be in you and it may be full. I imagine a day when you and I as Christians are so joyful that everywhere we go, people are like, what are you on and how can I get some? I imagine a day when we are so full of joy that it just pours out from us. People are like, there's something about that person I don't understand. See, what comes before the, this verse, though, 
is the words that Jesus speaks. And he says, abide in me and I in you. I am the vine, my father, the vine dresser. If you abide in me, and he goes on to talk about how when we're connected to him, we will experience the love of God. And in turn, we will learn how to love others. And then he says this, these things I have spoken, that my joy may be in you. See, the practice of Sabbath, like any other practice, is an invitation to begin to experience what God has promised he would give. This world is full of things that will disconnect us from God, that will distract us from his love, from his goodness, from his plans, from his purposes. It's natural in our sinful state to run from God and not even know it, but to abide in him, to stop and learn in the midst of this life, to simply be with him. We can be filled with a love for him, for ourselves, for others, that no matter what this life brings, we can find joy. Now, we're, we're going to back up a little bit to Psalm chapter 16. If you'd like to follow along in the blue Bibles in front of you or upstairs along the walls, Psalm chapter 16 is on page 567. If you'd like to use your own Bibles, I have no idea what page it's on. And if you use your phone, just search it, you'll find it, all right? Psalm Chapter 16, beginning in verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, the psalmist, even before Jesus said that when we're connected to God, we will experience joy, the psalmist knew that there with God, in his presence, we find joy. So to practice Sabbath is an invitation to slow down not just once in a while, and not just when life is convenient and you've finished all your to-do lists, but to habitually and consistently slow down, to take time each week to focus on nothing other than being with God. Because as we spend time with God, we will be replenished and refreshed and be given an energy we didn't know we had to be joyful whatever the rest of the week may bring. Stop and set the Lord always before us. These last couple weeks, as we've talked about Sabbath, we talked about beginning by stopping. You see, practices of following Jesus are not an expectation of doing more in your life. The last thing I want for you to do is to walk out of here and say, I just need to do more to be with Jesus. In fact, I think it's the opposite. If you and I learn to subtract from our lives, subtract the things that are distracting, subtract the things that are burdensome, subtract the expectations of work and the worry of the world to set them aside and surrender them to Jesus. If we make this a natural part of our life where we stop and we rest, we will become more joyful. If the first two weeks of this 
practice have been about learning to stop doing things. Today and next week will be about what do we begin to do? See, it's not just enough if you stop and you nap every Saturday. That's lovely. But you will not feel closer to Jesus if all you do is nap. Though sometimes that is the best thing to do. In fact, there's a story where Elijah in the Old Testament, he has this great moment where he encounters God and God is powerful and mighty and then afterwards he goes and he whines and he's like, oh, I'm all alone. Nobody else cares about you, God. I just want to die. And God's solution is eat some food and take a nap. And then he wakes up and God's like, do it again. Eat some more food, take another nap. And then he wakes up and God's like, now let me show you how faithful I've been all this time. And not in the big, loud, fancy moments, but in a still, quiet whisper. When we stop and when we rest, we invite space in our life for God to whisper, let me show you where I've been this whole time. And so to learn to stop and rest is also to begin to do things that are delightful, that fill you with joy. In the beginning, when God created everything, he declared everything was good. And then after declaring everything to be good, God stopped and rested on the seventh day. For you and me to practice Sabbath is to begin to see God's goodness in the world around us. Let's be honest, it, you don't have to look very far to see all of the evil and brokenness in the world around us. You turn on the news and you hear all kinds of pain and sorrow and suffering. Then you decide you've had enough and you turn off the news and you get in your car and you see all the people who don't know how to drive or merge or use blinkers and you're reminded that this world is broken and evil in every way possible. And you get to work and your to-do list never gets smaller. And you wonder, am I actually worth the work I'm doing? Am I just an imposter and faking it and I should not be here? And what if they see who I really am? And anxiety creeps in and busyness creeps in and we find ourselves overwhelmed everywhere. And it's really easy to see this good world God created as mostly just garbage. And yet... The practice of Sabbath is an invitation to recognize there is still good around us. Stop and smell the flowers. Or at this time of the year, the crisp, cool leaves that are falling. Imagine as an adult taking time to simply jump in the leaves and enjoy the crunchy leaves underneath you to enjoy the feeling of being a child again imagine delighting in all the things God has given perhaps your Sabbath practice should include going for walks in nature or the older I get the more I find joy in simply watching birds that's right I said it I'm old enough to enjoy bird watching I know I'm really boring perhaps your Sabbath practice is learning instead of seeing all the negative that is real in your life to find things to celebrate and to take time to thank God for them. God, usually I'm angry about the traffic, but today I'm thankful that my car has gas in it. Uh, two weeks ago I was in California. Today I'm thankful that I don't pay California gas prices. Like, I'm really grateful for that. Take time to celebrate the good around you. See, Sabbath and finding delight in the Sabbath 
is not just about discovering the goodness in God's creation. It's also about discovering the goodness in the people around you. Every one of us has been hurt by people. Even our spouses and the ones we love drive us absolutely bonkers sometimes. Shocking. If you are unmarried, let me tell you this, there will come a time if you get married where you will wish you were not with your spouse. And I don't mean like I can't wait to get divorced, but like would they please leave me alone for just a moment? My wife as an introvert experiences that much more than I do. Might also say something about who I am. But what if instead of seeing the negative and the frustrating and the hurtful, we purposefully took time each week just to be with people we love, to love people who love us back, to slow down in the midst of our busy schedules and say, let's simply enjoy each other's company. See, one of the practices of Sabbath that I think you and I should reclaim is enjoying a really, really good meal with people you love. Right now in this season of my life with my little kids, I would love for this to be an evening thing, but they're usually in bed early enough that I want them to participate. And so we don't normally do our Sabbath meal at the start of our Sabbath in the evening. But in the mornings, when we wake up on Saturday mornings, most weeks we make pancakes and we fill them with chocolate chips and sometimes peanut butter chips. And we let my kids put Nutella and syrup and powdered sugar and all kinds of messy delicious junk on their pancakes. And I ask them most of the time, why do we start our Sabbath morning with these pancakes? And the answer is really simple. Because resting with God is really sweet. And I want them to enjoy their time with God. But you may not want to do this with kids. Perhaps your Sabbath should be a great feast with friends you love. What would life look like from a stance of joy if every week you and five or six people you loved shared a meal and it was your best meal of the week and you opened a really nice bottle of wine and you enjoyed it together and you sat after the meal and you simply blessed one another. See, part of our Sabbath practice when we have dinner on Friday night, even if it's like just pizza, something cheap and easy, nothing super fancy, We go around the table and we ask, what's one thing this week that brought you joy? I tell you, hearing your six-year-old or your eight-year-old share about something that brought them joy is overwhelming. What if you, with a few friends, gathered together and said, let's share a great feast and then just celebrate joy? What has God done? Another question we in our Sabbath practice often ask is what's one thing you love about? And then we name each person in the family. And to hear your six-year-old who just an hour earlier was arguing with your eight-year-old to then share one thing they love about each other. It's so wonderful and peaceful and joyful. Imagine if you with six or seven close friends didn't just do this once in a while, but every single week you would find throughout the course of your week, when you go to work on Monday, you would find yourself more joyful. Because it's not just a Monday, it's a day in which you have rested and celebrated and been with the Lord, and there are people who love you, and you know what? No matter how bad this Monday is, your Sabbath is coming, 
It'll be okay. A couple weeks ago, I received a text message from somebody. I won't name who, but I think you might enjoy this. It was a picture of a great meal they were sharing, and, and with this great meal, they said, I wish we could find an excuse for you to come over and enjoy this. It's like, there's always an excuse for a good meal. Uh, let me know next time. And, and so we were talking about this meal, and I said, that's a wonderful thing to do on your Sabbath. You see, part of Sabbath is learning to find joy, and so make a delicious meal. You want to know another thing that in, is included in historic Jewish Sabbath practices? If you're married... Make your Sabbath a day of joyful marital bliss. That's right. Make it a habit of coming together as a married couple on your Sabbath. And all the married guys in here said, amen. Let's start Sabbath tomorrow. (laughs) It's custom in Jewish practice to say one of the ways God gives us joy is to celebrate our spouse with intimacy and being together. Wouldn't it be a great week? If every week you said, hey, we're going to have a great feast, and then we're going to party. It sounds wonderful. So I got this text about this meal, and I just said, hey, just a heads up, you know, in a couple weeks we're going to talk about delight, and part of delight is great feasts, and sometimes part of delight is just enjoying your spouse. And this was a couple I had done some pre-marriage counseling with, and in pre-marriage counseling I always encourage, if you've got like your five or six or 15 year plan for when you want to have kids, I always encourage, well, what if you start sooner? Just Hypothetically, let's talk through what that might look like. And this couple responded to me and said, it's funny you should mention that a great meal or time with your spouse is part of the Sabbath because as we've been talking about all these things you tell us not to do, we're realizing it's going to be really difficult to stick with our five-year plan to not have children. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Now, backing up a little bit, there's a lot of things you can do on your Sabbath to celebrate and enjoy and delight in God's good creation and to delight in relationships with others. But ultimately, our Sabbath joy is about more than just the good food and the good people and the good times together. Our Sabbath joy is about learning to actually enjoy God. See, for many of us, we have learned to trust in Him, to believe in Him, even sometimes to obey him and do what he says. We have learned that he is good, but oftentimes in our busyness, we fail to actually experience his goodness and to find ourselves longing to be with him again. We're going to flip now to Isaiah a few books later. Isaiah chapter 58, it's on page 776 if you're following along in these blue Bibles. In Isaiah chapter 58, he's speaking about how the people would, would often practice fasts, but their practice of fast was often one centered in themselves. Let's glorify me. Let me show everybody how great I am. Their practice of being with God was self-centered and not for the sake of others. And then he speaks that the really great thing that the Lord desires is to care for the hungry to care for the sick, to be with the dying, to be there in service. And following this command to be with others and serve comes this, beginning in verse 8. 
Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you and I turn back towards Sabbath, not for selfish gain, say, God, you have commanded this, Teach me to delight in you. When we make this a habit, it will not happen overnight. But you and I, through this rhythm and ongoing habit of surrendering control and letting go of our life and trusting that all the to-dos will eventually get done, but not today. When we learn to stop and to rest and to delight, God promises that we will in that begin to delight in him and find in him great joy like no other. To learn to Sabbath is to see that there are good things in this creation and good people in this world and there is a good God who truly loves you. So if we are to abide in him, we need to see that he is worth it. And Sabbath is one of those practices in which we are continually drawn back to him. Not to ourselves, not just to our families, to him. So this week as you practice Sabbath, what are a few things you can begin to try to do to practice Sabbath differently? Well, for starters, maybe this is a good week to have a great meal with people you care about. And maybe it's too soon to schedule it with friends because everybody else is still really busy and, and exhausted. So maybe you just start with a really good meal with you and your family and a good bottle of wine and some great ice cream for the kids, something really lovely. Maybe you begin your Sabbath by lighting some candles, one to remember the Sabbath and one to obey it. When we start our Sabbath practice, we light three candles, and I ask my kids, why do we light three candles? And the answer is because we rest in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, my three-year-old can't wait until it's his turn to light the candles. They look forward to it. Maybe this week in your practice, you should set a time to have a great meal 
Maybe for the day that you have set aside to say, this is the day I will seek the Lord and I will rest. Maybe this week you need to, before your Sabbath, put together a list of things you will and will not do. So for example, I will not be on my phone, but I will go for a walk in nature. I will not worry about all the things I haven't done, but I will instead, you fill in the blank. There's no set list that you have to do. There's no legalistic rule to follow. You get to decide what brings you joy. What helps you to delight in God's goodness and to delight in him? And maybe you've never experienced that. So simply pick something. It could be as simple as going to the the pet store where they have all the little puppies and just like playing with a puppy that you don't have to take home. It could be as simple as going for a walk or maybe sitting on your front porch with a good cup of coffee. You could read a good book, something you don't normally read during the week. You could play a board game with your kids. What is something for you that fills you with joy? And as you do those things, the way we turn them back to the Lord is by giving thanks. God, you have given us this delicious pancake. Thank you. You have given us this time to be together. Thank you. You have given us the very breath in our lungs, the strength in our bones. It all comes from you. Thank you. And this practice of doing that which brings joy, of committing to the act of seeking out joy, will make your Sabbath more restful and delightful and rewarding than you've ever known it to be. I have to confess As we talk about Sabbath, the thing, the practice that I love the most, and this season lately, I have been terrible at practicing Sabbath. I find it kind of funny that when I'm saying, here's what we should be doing, it has in every way possible been coming against me to not do this thing. Maybe you're there as well. And that's where this is an invitation to keep coming back to the Lord. It's not about doing it right or getting it all put together on the first try. It's about purposefully saying, what this week will point me back to the Lord, that I can remember his Sabbath and keep it holy and find my joy in him. It's my hope and my prayer that you and I can learn to delight fully in God and that our joy would be full. Like Adrian, whether I ever see him again or not, You and I can know that someone loves us, cares for us, and will be there for us to delight in. Will you pray with me? God, the Sabbath is an invitation to delight in your good creation and the people whom you have given to us in this life. Sabbath is an invitation to delight in you, to find our pleasure not in us, but in your goodness. Teach us this week that it is okay to do what brings us joy. 
to take time to purposefully seek out joy. To celebrate with a great meal, to be with friends and people we love and care about deeply, to enjoy a great bottle of wine or a really good book. I thank you that there's no set formula for how we Sabbath, but that on our Sabbath we learn to delight in your presence, to live in your presence each day, to find your rest and your peace and your joy filling us up to overflowing that the world around us might know your joy as well. God, we thank you for all the school teachers and administrators who this last week have had a break. We pray this break was a time of rest. As they prepare to return to school this week, God, may they go with a sense of your presence and with a joy in the work they do. May the children whom they teach and serve know that you are with them even if they don't yet know your name. God, we pray for caretakers today, for those who care for the sick and the dying, for those who sit beside them in their final moments, for those who love unto the end. May they find your strength in their bones for each day. May you be their source of delight in the midst of sorrow and sadness. God, we pray for all who grieve today. We lift up Emily at the death of her grandma. God, we lift up all who knew and loved Michael at his death and his passing. For those who grieve ongoing sickness God, we ask that you would come and comfort. For those who continue to await healing, may they trust in you and delight in you even in this time of pain. God, may we be a people who center everything we do in you that we may abide in you and you in us, that we may love as you have loved and in our care for one another, that we may find great joy deep within. God, now we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Every week in this place, we collect an offering. And we collect an offering in this place as an opportunity to partner with God in the work that he is doing in and through our community, in the community around us. And so if you came prepared to give today and you prefer to do so with cash or check, you can place that gift in the black boxes as you exit. If you had a moment to fill out one of those teal cards that says connect at the top, we would love to be praying with you and for you this week and even to connect with you about other things that are coming up and what God is doing in your life. You can place one of those cards in the black um, boxes as well. And if you're somebody who prefers to give electronically or even fill out that connect card electronically, 
You can do both at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Well, we have one other announcement. Uh, For those of you who have lost a loved one in the last year or two years, something we do sporadically on the first Sunday in November is we take time to remember those who've gone before us, who've already passed away. And we're going to do something special this year, so if you would like to have a loved one of yours included in that, if you will either with the Connect card or uh, via email at pastoradam at thepointknox.com, if you will let me know the name of your loved one as well as um, when they died and how old they were, um, I would like to honor them here in a few weeks. So uh, in the next week or two, if you can let me know, that would be awesome. That way we can include them in what we're going to do. And if you're going to be out of town the first Sunday in November, I strongly encourage you change that so you can be here for it, all right? Um, Except for one couple who's getting married the day before. You can be gone, all right? Uh, And also, that day we get to do something special that'll be a surprise. You'll have to be here for it. It's going to be pretty, pretty great. So now every week we invite questions. Blake, what kind of questions came in today? I don't think we have any. Wow. Question-free day. That doesn't happen very often. Thank you guys for the week off. I appreciate it. Uh, As always, you can text your questions in any time, and I will do my best to respond to them midweek online or next Sunday I'll respond to them. So please, as the questions come in, even if it's like 2 in the morning, your random thoughts, that's fine. I won't see it at 2 in the morning. It won't wake me up. Feel free to text them in any time. That number is available on our website as well. But it's not to be confused with the number that's like contact us. That's our phone number, which are two different things. But you'll find it under text and questions on our website. So with no questions and a really easy job this week, thank you. Uh, Before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. There, there is one thing I forgot to mention that I was going to. Uh, if you saw the obituary for Michael McNeely, it said that his burial is a private burial. I'm not sure why it says that. You're welcome to join tomorrow morning. We're going to lay him to rest um, in Narrow Ridge Burial Preserve, which is about 45 minutes from here. But we will be having a, a celebration of life and funeral service on Thursday at 4 here at the point. So if you would like to be here for that, Uh, I'd love to have you join us as we celebrate and remember Michael and also celebrate our promise of the resurrection. Uh, Thank you, guys, and I hope you have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.